You're listening to Supervision with a Vision, where we discuss all things supervision. I'm your host, Sarah, professional counselor, marriage and family therapist, play therapist, eating disorder specialist, and cookie lover, with my co-host, Heather, marriage and family therapist, certified together in Texas counselor, a Texas transplant from California, and outdoor adventurer. Hi, welcome to Supervision with a Vision. Today, Heather and I are talking about the impact of other people on our mental health. This week, we read, When the Behavior of Others Negatively Affects Clients' Mental Health, published in Counseling Today 2021. And you and I are thinking about not just clients, but we're thinking about ourselves, supervisees, our clients also. One of the first points that the article made was that you really need to look at the whole picture. Right. I think something that I don't do actually in a supervisee interview, and maybe I'll start doing it now, but is we don't know who they are outside of wanting to be a counselor. Mm -hmm. Like we talk a lot about theory. We talk a lot about just different things that are important as far as ethics and things like that, like to see if we're a good fit. But very rarely do I say, so who's at your house? Who's, Mm -hmm. where do you live? Mm -hmm. You know, I think the way that I've done that over time has changed. Has Mm -hmm. the way that you meet a new supervisee, has it changed over time? I think sometimes it feels a little bit, and sometimes it is, like a job interview. Mm Mm-hmm. But the relationship you have with a supervisee is not right. that of an <laughs> employer and an employee. So then the questions need to be changed. Mm-hmm. So what questions, you said maybe you're going to rethink that a little bit. What are some questions do you think that thinking about this differently, you might add to your first meeting or discussion with this potential supervisee? I can see myself being maybe a little bit more open about, maybe I would disclose some of my own things, my marriage and kiddos and things like that. I usually don't start off with that, but maybe I would. And maybe Mm -hmm. that would leave a door open to, like I could phrase it as like, where are you in life right now? Like, what are you Mm -hmm. doing? Mm -hmm. And kind of make it more conversational and maybe take a little bit of the clinical piece out. Yeah. I think I would leave the clinical piece in. When you're just naming off those questions, I thought some of those questions I don't want to answer. Right. Um, You don't want to tell them. (laughs) Right. So then that makes me think, hmm, that's something to think about. But also maybe I would think about which one, which questions I ask based on which questions are important. I was willing to answer. Like I'm not going to ask them a question I wouldn't want to answer or be comfortable answering, but it still makes me think I need to go back and well, and I kind I of examine all of those questions a little bit. As I kind of go through the supervisees I've had, some of them were just so much more like forthcoming with like different things about their personal life. Like they they would say something and then they're like, oh, well, I really enjoy rowing. I was on the rowing team in high school. And you just get a better snapshot maybe mm-hmm. quickly mm-hmm. where other people keep it very professional. So yeah. I think there's a balance that has to. Yeah, like, I engage. think maybe right now I get start to get some of that those questions answered by asking about job history mm-hmm. and go, and branching out a little bit just from job history. Right. But if I ask like, well, tell me about your job experience. Which one's your favorite one? Mm-hmm. What did you love about that? The, you start to get a little bit of that. And I think in some cases, if you look at their job history, you also get a little peek into what's happening in their lives. Mm-hmm. That they say, oh, well, I had this job and I really loved it, but I left because... We got transferred. Right. Or I had a baby. Right. Or something. Then you get a you, little A little picture. bit of that. Right. But you're right. There's something more that you could get from that first meeting that mm-hmm. would be helpful or useful or create an opportunity. Right. 
I'm sure this has happened to you with clients. I think it's happened to every therapist out there. You've maybe seen a client for a month or so. And then all of a sudden, maybe in the fourth or fifth session, you gain this other bit of information. You're like, if I had known that at the very beginning, like, how did I miss that one? How did that not come out? Yeah. I'm trying to think of the last time that's happened, but I do, I can think like, what? How did I not know that? Right. (laughs) How how had we never talked about that before? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It does take me back to not my very first placement in school, but I think my second placement. I did a ton of intakes. Oh, yeah. And that was part of the deal, that if you were going to get your hours there, they had you doing some other task, but one or two days out of every week that you were assigned Mm -hmm. to do intakes. And man, there were more than you could get done. You were never going to get finished. Right. Like you, if you sat down at, at nine in the morning, as quickly as you could get them done, there was another one. And everybody else hated doing that. But I got in a groove and I thought, no, I like this. Yeah, I can do this. Yeah, yeah. I can, <laughs> but I think that that is a attitude that not everybody has. I know lots of my supervisees or counselors that I've known don't enjoy doing intakes, but mm-hmm. I do. And I think some of it's just a style. Some of it's just how your brain works, like the mm-hmm. organization of a new event coming in and a new client coming in mm-hmm. or whatever. So it feels. Mm-hmm. In this context, if other people affect our mental health, we can help ourselves or help other people by having a really full picture. So that makes sense as far as supervisees to me, that if we have a good understanding of where they're coming from and the, just the factors in their life that are important, that we can attend to those. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean we always talk about it, but if I know, I don't know, right now I have some that they need to schedule around drop off and pick up at school. And so I know, I just know that if I'd asked them to do that before, if I asked them to call or meet with me or do something before maybe nine o'clock, I definitely know I'm, that's a big ask. It's a different schedule right. for them and their home life. Right. Than, so it's right. meaning not just, can you do this? But yeah, I know I'm asking you to right. change something or compromise mm-hmm. or do something different. So I can be thoughtful of that and try not to ask them to do anything before nine o'clock mm-hmm. or be really patient with right. them or thoughtful of them if I do and go like, hey, I know it's a big deal, mm-hmm. but it really, I need this at, right. by at this time. time. Yeah. I think um, the other thing that comes to that of fostering that understanding is also how available we are to our supervisees. Yeah. For the most part, I will tell you, I'm pretty available. Well, let's talk about that. What, what do you think that means? That's our second point in the article. I think it's about allowing the fact that you don't always have the answer, no matter how seasoned you are. Like you're fostering an understanding from our perspective, but also from a supervisee teaching them that with your client, you need to be fostering that understanding that you get where they're coming from. That's kind of different than I was, a different way than I was thinking about it. So I'm glad I asked. I was thinking, if we're thinking that this means clients, supervisees, and ourselves, fostering understanding means increasing our patience and compassion for other people. I love that. That fits. Yep. Yeah. Is that, mm-hmm. do, do you think that's the same as what you were thinking? Or, um, or I think mine different? is the prequel to that. Like the, the goal yeah. would be to get to that. Okay. That So then even for ourselves, we just talked a lot about getting the whole picture of our supervisees that then fostering understanding means that when I do ask my supervisee, can you come in before nine? That that means I'm already patient and compassionate when I ask that and right. and think, I know that's it's a big ask. That's a thing yeah. for you. That's kind of hard, but I'm still asking. Or that maybe I would change that and not and think I can avoid having to get them to do that. So I'll do it myself because I know that's really they're having a hard time getting to kindergarten on time these days. Right. So maybe I won't ask them, them that. Right. Yeah. But so it means 
having the whole picture that then helps us to be patient and compassionate with ourselves, our supervisees, our Mm -hmm. clients, we haven't really talked much about ourselves. So if having the whole picture means having greater understanding, then what does that mean for us, the supervisee or the counselor? I wouldn't answer a client's phone call from the soccer field. But if one of my supervisees calls, and I think I might have an idea of what it's about, or if I I am much more readily available to answer their call, but I usually say, hey, give me a second, let me walk away. I'm at the soccer field, or I'm at, and because what I'm saying is... Does that mean that if they're calling you because you've got the whole picture and you have compassion for what's going on with them, that you would think... It must be important they're calling me. So right. I'm going to try and figure right. out how to do this. It must, oh. it must be important that because either they know that that's where I am right now, mm-hmm. or it must be important that this is something that's came up for them that's pretty mm-hmm. urgent. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking maybe in all, all of these scenarios, <laughs> me, the client, and the supervisee, that I think it would mean there are times when I can say, let's slow down. Mm-hmm. Or to, maybe today's not the day to do that. Or let's in some way give ourselves a break and a breather. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of when I do that for myself. Oh, I know. I might have a day really packed back to back. And I do have like 20 minutes where that's not scheduled. And I might tell myself, oh, I can get some notes done. <laughs> and then when it comes, to, when I actually get to that window of time, I think, no, I just want to watch an episode of The Office. Right. I don't want to and do like, anything. I'm going to drink water and close my eyes mm-hmm. and listen to Jim and Pam. Right. That's a good use of my time that day because mm-hmm. that's what I needed. Or maybe with a client, it means I know that they're, they've got lots of stuff going on at home or school or wherever they go. And we happen to be talking about something really difficult right. that we might slow down and go, today was rough. Mm-hmm. That was hard. So maybe that's what we do today. Yeah. You know, something that just came up as you were saying that, that came up in supervision a couple weeks ago was I said to a supervisee, it's okay to end your session early. And mm-hmm. she was like very yeah. like caught off by that. And she felt like the parent would be mad. And I was mm-hmm. like, but sometimes, especially with teenagers, you've hit, that's all you're going to do for that day. <laughs> you've hit, yeah. You now hit the spot and there's going to be no more process and there's going to be oh, no. Yeah. I like, that's a really good example. Cause you're right. A lot of supervisees look at you like, wait, that's against the rules. My full 50 minutes. Yeah. Like I'm supposed to do this. I do that a lot with really young clients mm-hmm. that I will tell the parents right away that our goal is, or or what typically the length of the session would be this long. Mm-hmm. But if we leave a little bit early, it's because this is right. this was a good stopping point, or this is what made sense, or this is what the child could do that day. And I do that. I now I'm thinking about it. I say that to the parent so that the parent doesn't scold the kid when they come out of the oh, room too soon. Yeah. But I also do it. For the kid. I mean, it's, right. so it's partly for the kid. It's partly for the parent. But I'm also trying to model for the parent. Yeah. Some days you just leave your card at the grocery store and walk, yeah. and you, you just, just leave. walk out. Yeah. Because that's and, okay. Right. <laughs> or some days you're at the birthday party and it, you just, it's noise overload and everybody's overwhelmed and you go, well, okay, well, we had cake. Mm-hmm. And so now we're going to go. Mm-hmm. That was it. That's all, you know, yep, that's time to go. And I think that that's fostering mm-hmm. understanding for the child, for the parent, right. and maybe not even in my office, but a day where they're not even there. And right. they've now been given permission mm-hmm. that when you've hit your limit for the day, go home. Right. You can say that. Mm-hmm. And it's allowed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Our last point, rewriting unhealthy patterns. And I think we already flowed right. into this, talking about even like a parent or a new counselor telling them you have permission. You have permission to do this. I think mm-hmm. also to 
uh, reflect back if we don't understand where a client's coming from or to reflect back and say, now, what does that mean to you? That sounds like a very therapy kind of question, mm -hmm. but you just told me that you're really, really angry, but what is that? You look really calm to me. Like, mm -hmm. so what is mm -hmm. that, you know, kind mm -hmm. of clarifying those things? Yeah. I feel like I do that more with a supervisee, maybe even not a technically a supervisee, but someone I manage or supervise right. at work. Right. That maybe I did it this week. Somebody said, I knew that they were having something really big and important happening at home. And I said, how are you? And they said, fine. And I said, so now I know <laughs> that you will cover things up right. and try and tough through it. But what I really meant was, how are things? Mm -hmm. And tried again. And she mm -hmm. went, okay. Right. This, this, and this. <laughs> so actually, I'm having a hard day. And I'm like, okay. Yeah, even just saying it, but giving somebody maybe another opportunity to say something do or say something different that's not the old pattern so creating a new rewriting an unhealthy old pattern mm -hmm. do you think you as the supervisor have unhealthy patterns that could be rewritten i think probably i think my tendency is to get in a rut mm -hmm. and not i mean you we've done some other podcasts about trying things differently or like upping your game when it comes to supervision and i think that's my i fall into a rut okay supervision from, was from here to here and that fits into my day this way yeah, that was one of the things in the article, right? And I like that application because in the article, it talked about a client. Mm -hmm. But you're right. You could get stuck in a supervision rut. And then how could you change it for yourself, your supervisee? I realized with one of my supervisees a while ago that I was meeting right up until the time I needed to walk out the office. And I was like, wait a minute, I'm making myself crazy by doing that, thinking mm -hmm. that, well, it's just supervision. So Technically, I'm writing my note during supervision most of the time, and I don't need to you know, do anything mm -hmm, after. Mm -hmm. But it was making me crazy because I'm like leaving the office for the day, and it's 8.30 at night. And I'm going, wait a minute. I don't want to do supervision at that time of day anymore. So like yeah. changing up just those little things. Yeah. A half an hour. Mm -hmm. Leave yourself a half an hour of after time. Mm -hmm. In the last couple of weeks, I had two teenage girl clients. I didn't feel like it was a rut, but we typically do the same thing mm -hmm. every time. And I think they, maybe they just actually noticed separate from each other. They just noticed the sand tray in my office. And I went, mm -hmm. why have you never noticed that before right. or asked about it? Mm -hmm. It's right there. But they both asked about it or touched it or mm -hmm. something. And I said, hey, do you know what that is? We could use that. Mm -hmm. If you feel like it, I think that would right. be really, that'd be really great for you. Right. We could really, and they both started out again, you know, separate sessions. They don't know right. each other. And they both went, eh, okay, maybe, I don't know. And they did it. And both of them went, that was cool. Right. I want to do that really again. Into it, yeah. I want to do that again. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay. So yeah, sometimes switching it up. I think I do that too, even for myself. I don't know if I connect this with supervision all the time, but even just my own reflection that I need to do sometimes as a supervisor or as a counselor. And sometimes I'll do a sand tray mm -hmm. on my own. Right. Just to like process through whatever your mm -hmm. brain has mm -hmm. going. Or sometimes I'll write down, it, it almost looks more like a to-do list, but mm -hmm. it's just thoughts that I've had. And it is not a to-do list. There are no action steps. It's just getting it out there that I thought, oh, this person thought this, or this person mm -hmm. needed that, or why never, I made that connection today. What That was right. never made that connection before. That was interesting. So I do a to-do list sometimes and that I'll write a haiku mm -hmm. sometimes. And I like that's one, the pattern of the words Helps. makes you stop and right. think. But also if a traditional haiku is about nature. Mm -hmm. So then if I try and connect it also to nature, then it's this, this right. whole other like connection has symbolism or mm -hmm. different analogy that makes me think differently. 
So I think that's uh, sometimes if I feel like I can't, I'm not working through a problem I have or a question or something I'm working on, then that might be a way I get your brain rewrite it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you said sometimes um, changing the pattern of supervision. Right. Changing that up. I found myself even sometimes I have really good, I have very limited time that I'm alone, <laughs> but I will know that sometimes like when I get in the car to leave at the end of the night, it's almost like a flushing of whatever's in my brain. You write it mm-hmm. down. I mm-hmm. just say it out loud to mm-hmm. the person not sitting next to me. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, but I think that I do that occasionally. I also will like remind myself almost like a to-do list, but not quite about like something for next week, right? Like, yeah. oh, do this next week uh-huh. or wow. I've even written down before in like a side note, I keep it paper all the time going with things that I need to do. I would literally have written down, drink more water. Mm-hmm. Because in a session, I've been like totally thirsty and like my water was empty. And why I didn't get up between and mm-hmm. get water, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. But things like that, like little yeah. tweaks literally make your day-to-day environment better. Sure, that's what I was going to say too, is that, I mean, we sometimes take for granted that those kinds of things really do impact our us, right. our mental health, other people. But yeah, yeah making some changes like that can make a difference. Well, thanks today for listening to Supervision with a Vision. You've been listening to Supervision with a Vision. Head on over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Be sure to check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Therapy Academy to join the conversation and get show notes. We'll be back next week with more Supervision with a Vision.